Okay, now, uh, God bless you. For more depressing news, turn to Jonah chapter 2, okay? Jonah chapter 2, if you haven't been with us, we are in the book of Jonah. Jonah, an amazing story uh, that oftentimes gets dumbed down to, uh, well, to Jonah and the whale. We talked about this last week. I did some more research this week. If you want to throw that little slide up. So here's just some pictures of some kids' books. My favorite are the two in the middle because you've got one, a guy on the top coming out in a business suit that was like, like thanks for the stay. Uh, and then Jonah had a whale of a time, right? <laughs> so, and it's him like skiing or wakeboarding behind a whale. And so here, here's why we bring these up. And, and <laughs> the amount of you that after everything we preached on last week felt that the one thing you wanted to bring up was how it could have been a whale, I get it, okay? Yes, there was no word for whale in Hebrew, so could it have been a whale? Yes, but it says fish, so we'll stick with fish. Um, here's why this is important. Here's why this is important for the church in 2019. It's not that this is bad inherently, right? There's nothing wrong with us taking Bible stories and coloring them and drawing them in a way that we can teach our children. The issue is, is that this story, okay, one, and we talked about this on the front end last week, it's really not about Jonah and the whale. There's two verses in the entire book that involve Jonah and the whale. Um, And what happens when we dub this down uh, and water this down, pun intended, uh, to, to Jonah and the whale, we easily can step away from its calling. Like we can easily be like, ah, it's just this fun, a funny fairy tale about this guy who said no to God, but guess what? God got him with a fish. When the real story is crazy heavy and is a story of like disobedience, it's a story of oppression, it's a story of hatred, it's a story of no God, I don't want anything to do with you, it's a story of rebellion, it's all of these things, and God having to intervene with a fish because it was that bad. And, and so my, my, my issue with this stuff is not that we do, it's like I get that, but maybe we have to understand that as a people, the church has maybe lost its identity. And maybe it's because of stuff like this. Um, that it maybe in and of itself, again, not all that bad, but maybe also these little things shape us and, and they allow us to disconnect from the Bible, allow us to disconnect from its calling. And so today we're going to do the same thing we did, like we're going to jump into the text, we're going to open up, what is God actually doing with Jonah in this story, okay? If you weren't here, you can take that down, otherwise it's just going to be, you guys are going to see that dude tipping his hat to the, to the whale the whole time, but... If you weren't here last week, let me just give you a snapshot of where we were. Jonah, a prophet of God, man of God, calling Israelite, that type of dude, okay? God comes to him and says, hey, Jonah, I I want you to go and I want you to call out to, or I want you to call to repentance the city of Nineveh. Nineveh was the capital of the Assyrian Empire, a terrible, brutish people, right? We shared some stories of the things that they would do, but just think of the most horrific acts you could think of. They did those on the regular, Okay? to their own people, and then especially to their enemy. Just a terrible people that wanted to conquer the world. Think, and we even kind of compared them to the Nazis. Like the Nazi regime is an easy comparison. Just, just awful things were coming out of what was happening in the Assyrian Empire. And so God, this loving God, comes to Jonah the prophet and says, I want you to go to this land, and I want you to call them to repentance. I want you to tell them that, hey, you need, you need to knock it off. There's grace in that, but he's going to call them to repentance. And Jonah just says no. And so God 
starts moving east to Nineveh, and Jonah's like, I'm not going to do that. He starts going west as far as he can to get away from God. I don't want anything to do with your calling, and I don't want anything to do with you. Now, in the midst of that, he boards a boat. You can picture him kind of just going in the same way we get so delighted in our freedom, right? We're like, oh, I'll do my own thing. You see Jonah, he's standing on the front of the boat. The hair is just blow, or wind's blowing in his hair. Just look at my autonomy until God throws a tempest upon the seas. The seas roar, and then through a long series of events, Jonah gets tossed into the ocean, and he thinks he's about to die. Then we get the last verse in chapter 1, which reads... And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Okay? That's the start of this. Now, I want to do some background work really quick for us. I'm going to read a few verses from the Old Testament. Just track with me. You can write down the address reference if you want to. Hosea 8, 1 through 3 in verse 8 says this, Israel has transgressed my covenant and rebelled against my law. To me they cry, my God, we, Israel, know you. Israel has spurned the good, the enemy shall pursue him. Israel is swallowed up, already there among the nations as a useless vessel. Jeremiah 51, 34, Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, has devoured me. He has crushed me, made me an empty vessel. He has swallowed me like a monster. He has filled his stomach with my delicacies. He has rinsed me out. Psalm 124, 1 through 5, if it had not been for the Lord who was up on our side when the people rose up against us, then they would have swallowed us up alive. When their anger was kindled against us, then the flood would have swept us away, the torrent would have gone over us, then over us would have gone the raging waters. Now, this should begin to elicit some imagery of the story that we're in. Now, here's why we bring this up initially, right on the front end here, is we have to understand how Israel would have read this story, right? Because this wasn't initially read, written to us. This was written to the people of Israel to tell the story of this prophet. And so they know the holistic scriptures. And so they begin to hear this same language, but now told in this narrative format, historical narrative format with Jonah, a prophet they know to say, Israel, would you pay attention? Because your calling from the very beginning has been to be a blessing to the nations. We established that in Genesis chapter 12 through Abraham, who became Abraham. Father Abraham, who had many sons, and many sons had Father Abraham, right? And I, you know, so, so, so Abraham was called, go form this people, Israel, that will bless the world. The world will know about the goodness of God because of the work of Israel, Okay. But over and over and over, you're in Old Testament, so they're going to tell you a story of a rebellious people that said no. And so constantly God comes back to him, and the imagery he always uses is rebellion, and then I'm going to swallow you with water. Like, over and over. How is he going to judge us? How will mercy come to the people of God? Swallow you with water. Swallow you with water. Cover you with water. Water will swallow you over and over and over again. And so here's why I bring that up again, is because when we read stories like that, we can begin to think that this is not asking hard questions of the people of God. And it is. It's calling the church out. If we zoom to 2019, hear me. It's calling the church out to our mission. Why does the church exist? And then why do you and I exist within it? 
That's what Jonah is meant to do, is kind of pull open our hearts and ask these questions of us. All the, uh, earlier this week, I'm hanging out with Finley, my little, my little four or five-year-old, right? And uh, I start, he did something. I'm not going to get into it, but he did something he wasn't supposed to do. Kids do that. He's a great kid. Don't hear me judging him. He's awesome. Don't look at him. He's amazing. Okay, so, um, so he did something he wasn't supposed to do. I walked in, and, and parents, you'll get this, or if you have little brothers or sisters, or maybe you just remember your childhood and you were terrible to you, but you, you, you walk in, and there was just stuff everywhere. He had taken cereal, emptied it out all over the floor, crunched it in, right? <laughs> Writing on the walls and all over his face, right? And so... I walk in, I'm like, Finley, what happened, you know? Like, you're not supposed to do these things. And I begin to, you know, I give him the talk. And, and he lands and saying, Daddy. I said, yeah, but he goes, I don't like when you ask me hard questions. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I said, yeah, man. And so it was great. I was like, hey, let me tell you about this story in Jonah. And so then uh, we pulled out Jonah and the whale. And then, just kidding. So I don't like when you ask me hard questions. Hear me. No one likes to be asked hard questions. No one likes to be told they're doing it wrong. Amen? Like, like we want to we be like, no, I'm crushing this. Right? Hear me. This book is meant to show us we're not. Or, if you are, awesome. Let's all do this together. I will confess from the pulpit, I don't do this right. Like, I'm not loving all the time the way I'm supposed to be. I'm not sacrificial. I don't love my enemy. I often judge people. Like, th- this is the reality of my heart. And so I need to repent in the church. We need to repent and then walk through that repentance unto becoming who God has called the church to be. Amen? That's what this book does for us. Jonah uh, chapter 2 verse, or sorry, chapter 2 verse 1 says this. Uh-uh. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the floods surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. The weeds were wrapped around my head. And at the roots of the mountains, I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God, this first part of this prayer, that's all chapter two is, is in light of what happened in chapter one, the events, the narrative, it's a prayer of Jonah and then God's answer in verse 10, okay? It's a prayer of Jonah that God's answer in verse 10. So this first part of the prayer, Jonah is descending into the deep. So he's now sitting in the belly of the fish, coiled up, not comfortable, right? It smells, that's the reality. He's coiled up in here, probably something like this, I'm guessing, lack of oxygen, going a bit crazy, the whole deal, and he begins to remember what had just happened. Three days in, he begins to remember the moment he descended into the water after he was hurled into the ocean, and he sinks and sinks and sinks. And the language is saying, man, I thought I was going to die. That, that's the easiest way to put it. When he's saying, I'm descending into the land of Sheol, that's the land of the dead. As he approaches the pit and the land at the bottom, I'm going to die. Like, that, that's what is going on in his mind. This is it for me. God is going to kill me. Now, that sounds somewhat not right. Is this a God thing? We landed last week with the question of like, is Jonah being swallowed? Is it God's mercy or is it God's judgment? And, and I'm going to tell you now, it's God's mercy. He's, he's resting in the belly of this fish and he's recollecting upon what could have been about 
I could have died. I was going to die. But then this fish came and swallowed me up. This was the expectation. But look at verse 3. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the floods surround me. All whose waves? Your waves. And your billows passed over me. God took Jonah, the disobedient, rebellious prophet, and God threw him in the sea. Now, when you look back at chapter 1, you're like, no, that was, that was actually the sailors. Yeah, but it was God. That's what he's trying to say. It's like, at the end of the day, God casts me into the sea. That sounds scary, if we're honest. Would God do that? Like, would God take your life, which, again, he's stoked, right? Hair or wind in the hair just going. Would he take him and say, Mm-mm, I'm going to mess up your life a bit. And I'm going to throw you in the ocean. And it's my mercy that does this. Now, how many just have no problems with that? Now, now hear me. Some of us, like, we've engaged in it. And, like, so now I'm like, no, I get it. It makes sense. But there's a piece of me that's like, wait, that, that doesn't seem to add up. God, you're supposed to be loving. And so here, here's the issue, right? If we struggle with this, it's because we're starting with the wrong starting point. And here's where we're starting. We're starting with us. And we're starting with our culture and our thoughts and our mind. And hear me, not that all those things are wrong or bad. They're not. They can be. They're not always. But we have to start with God himself. We told you guys last week that an undergirding theme of this whole thing is who the people of Israel believed God to be. And we read over and over Exodus 34, verse 6, that God, okay, God is um, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, forgiving iniquity and sin for thousands. Okay, so here's, here's the issue in the midst of all this. If we allow the experience to shape the God, then we have trouble here. But if we allow the God to shape the experience, then we can begin to walk and see what God's doing. If God is who he says he is, who he has proven himself to be time in and time again in our lives and in history, he is a God that is slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and mercy keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and sin. This is who God is. It's not necessarily what he does, although that's part of it. It's who God is. And if that is who he is, it gives us a different lens with which to interpret the story and then with which to interpret our own lives. Because if God's who he says he is, then this is mercy to Jonah. This is not judgment although there might be a piece of that in there, right? That this is the grace of God to Jonah, that he doesn't just smote him like, like smote it, done, right? But instead, he delivers Jonah. He's merciful to Jonah. He shows steadfast love to Jonah. Because what is Jonah's sin? It's, it's rebellion. It's, it's God, I, I want nothing to do with you. It's It's Jonah assuming he knows better for his life than God knows for his life, even though God made his life and made the world that he lives in. Now, again, I'll just speak to me like that. That's me. Like, and that's what this book's meant to do. It meant to kind of look like Jonah. You say, oh, that's me. (laughs) I'm Jonah. 
And so we, we get these hard questions asked of us, of, uh, uh, and we'll, you know, we'll get to that in, in just a moment. So what does God do in the midst of that? Is, is God comes in in his mercy, in the midst of his desperation and his despair and his crying out in this long as prayer, he swallows him with a fish, a Jesus fish, nonetheless. Just kidding. See, that was a good joke, right? Didn't work as well as I thought it would. Nope. That will not make the 11, okay? Um, so he gets swallowed by a fish. Makes no sense. It's God's mercy to Jonah to deliver him from himself. It's to deliver Jonah from himself because Jonah chose disobedience. Jonah chose rebellion. Jonah chose sin. Jonah chose, Jonah chose. And God said, nope, fish. Mercy and grace. So hear me, like, and this is, this is real right now. Some of you guys are just like, this experience, as you begin, like, you read the prayer, verses 2 through 6, and you're like, that is my life right now. Like, like, I'm just, I'm scrambling to find what is right side up. Like, there's this stuff that's crashing all around me. There's hurt, there's pain, there's brokenness. It's mine, it's those around me. It just, I, my soul just can't take it anymore. Almost, you even, you even see this, and we'll see this a couple times in the text from Jonah, that he'd rather die in the midst of what God's calling him to. Like, some of you are, some of you are there. And that's just a reality of our world right now. So, some of you, right now, right now, like, your life just seems meaningless, pointless, Terrible, awful, and it doesn't seem to have any reprieve. And all I can tell you, well, two things. One, one is, please come talk to us about that. The church exists, we exist for each other. There's no better way to say it. And so if that is your world, Please, and I know that's not easy to do, please invite others into that world to, to walk with you. We, we often use the social media to get down in the well with you where it feels like you're trapped. Like, please come talk to someone. Now, let me say this. Um, in the midst of that reality, God's in the ocean with you. Okay? There's nothing that you experience that he does not know far more intimately about than even you do. And his presence is with you in the midst of that. And his mercy is coming. Like he, he longs for deliverance for you from that. He proves it at the cross and the resurrection and that he left to go prepare a place for us. And, and, and so in the midst of that, now hear me, some of you are in that place because of your rebellion. Some of you are in that place because you're like, God, no thanks, I'm going to do me. And, and so you've walked, in, you've walked in a couple things. You've walked in sins of commission, right? You've, in other words, you co you've committed and you do sins actively that, that harm your relationship with God and hurt others around you. And, and I, I, we could run down the list, right? Lying, stealing, cheating, fornication, pornography, malice, gossip, slander, right? 
lust. Like we can go down the list. And so some of us, we, we walk willingly into these, these sins of commission. We're like, yeah, no, forget you, God. I want to do these things. Forget that you said that I shouldn't. And that you didn't just say I shouldn't for I shouldn't sake, but I shouldn't because they actually harm me and harm others. But I'm going to do them anyway. Some of it is sin of omission. James 4.19 tells us that he who knows the good, he ought to do it and does not do it is in sin. In other words, Jonah was told, I want you to go love your enemy. I want you to go reach out and care for your enemy. I want you to bless those that are different from you. And he said, no. So some of you here, you're, you're, you're there because you're rebellious. And God's just trying to be like, dude, wake up. Wake up. In the same way that Jonah was asleep on the boat, God had to get his attention, so he throws a tempest over the seas and causes people to come into his life and say, wake up! Same goes for us who live in rebellion to the God that so longs to do far more in us and with us than we could ever imagine. Now, there's some of you that are in that place because of the sin of others. And hear me, that's a different story than the one we're reading. Okay? It's just a different story. Um, it's not that Jonah has nothing to say to your situation. It has a ton to say. God is present in the ocean. God's mercy is for you. But, but please, as we preach through this, if, if, if where you're at right now, if because of the pain and the brokenness is because of the sin of others, this story is a little bit different. And I want to walk, we, we want to walk with you in that as well. Okay. Um, there's plenty more to say there, like so much more to say there. And, then, and there's even a middle ground where it's, it's not necessarily the sin of you or someone else. It's just that we live in a broken, sin-filled world. And there's this brokenness and there's pain. And that will not be fixed this side of heaven. But it grieves our God and he is coming to fix it all. The Jesus Storybook Bible tells it best. He says there will be a day where every tear will be undone. Where every piece of brokenness will be undone. So some of you, again, there's different ways you land in that place where the text is drawing us to. It's for all of us, it's telling us God is present. He wants to grant mercy. He wants obedience for your sake and for his, for the glory of him and the mission to the world. Specifically for those of us who act against him and say no to him and rebel against him and choose our own direction and choose sin, commission, omission, this is really for us. Wake up. It's destroying you. It's destroying others. And it keeps us from being who we're supposed to be, church. It keeps us from being the church. A lot of you guys, listen, all you students, you're getting ready to leave for the summer. So we got three months till we get to yell at you again, right? Dedicate yourself to the Lord. His ways are better. And I don't want to have to wait for, to see a fish come and swallow you. Metaphorically, of course. For him to just be like, no, I, I love you enough to not let this continue. Because hear me, when Jonah ignores his calling, it's not just him that's hurting. Who almost dies because of him? All the pagan sailors, but instead God's faithful and saves them. And you know, I'm just going to give you what's going to about to happen. 
okay? If he doesn't say yes, Nineveh never repents. Thousands and thousands and thousands, and then generation after generation after generation because of his disobedience. Now, would God still be faithful? Probably. I don't know. Because it's something we have to study. All we have to study is Jonah was called out in the midst of his lack of obedience to the mission of God. Church, we're being called out too. That's the whole point of this. Okay? Let's wrap it up. Oh, sorry. You know what we're actually going to do right now? Do we have time for this? Do we have time for this? I'm going like, to end up thinking as long as it takes just to have time for this. Um, yeah, let's do it. Johnny! 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 Johnny's going to come and sing a song. <laughs> um, he did know about this. Uh, <laughs> this song uh, is a song called Satisfied in You. It's a song we've sung here plenty of times before. Um, a couple of the verses directly come from the book of Jonah, and we'll then transition us into where we land this morning. Um, and will you bring the lights down? I just want to listen. You can sit, you can stand and sing, whatever you prefer. Um, I want us to sing this song together in the midst of this, in the midst of the weight of life, in the midst of, I, I know when I read this, like, hear me, I know when I read this, I don't feel shame, but I do feel guilt. Like, I feel like, God, there, there's so much you want our church and you want me to be about for the sake of your glory and for the sake of the world that I just punt on. But thank you that you are faithful where I'm not and that you are my satisfaction so that I just don't crumble underneath the weight of that expectation. Praise Jesus. So let's sing this song together and we'll land and we'll be done for the morning. I have lost my appetite And a flood is welling up behind my eyes So I eat the tears I cry If that were not enough They know just the words to cut And tear and pry When they ask me where's your God Why are you downcast on my soul Why so disturbed within me I can remember when you showed your face to me and as the deer pants for water so my soul thirsts for you and when I survey your splendor you so faithfully renew like a better for my me down so it's time to lift my brow and remember better days when I love to worship you 
showed your face to me and as the deer pants through water so my soul thirst for you and when I survey your splendor you so down on me I'll recall your safety scheme You're the one who made the waves And your son went out to suffer in my place And to show me that I'm so disturbed within me I can remember when you showed your face to me as the tear pants for water so my soul thirsts for you and when I survey your splendor you so about your faithfulness let my pain reveal your glory as my only real rest let my loss you show me all I truly have is you because all I really have is you Amen. Thanks, Johnny. Um, I just want to sing that song is, is because in the midst of the ocean moment, in the midst of like the fear of, of what's going on, and if it's a fish moment, if it's the ocean moment, if it's somewhere in between all that stuff, knowing God's presence is the way through it. And knowing who he is, that song is a song that in the midst of the pain, in the midst of the fear and the confusion says, but God, like you're still you. And you're the lens for my life. Like, I have to see things through who you are. You all know this. You all have friends and family where you interpret things they say and do through what? Through who you know them to be. 
Our God is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and mercy, forgiving iniquity and sin for thousands. That's who he is. So wherever you're at this morning, he's still that. And we'd love to walk alongside you in the midst of that. Now, here's where Jonah has to respond, and some of us have to respond in the same way. And here's where we finish with the last part of the prayer. He says this, My life was fainting away. I remembered the Lord. And when prayer came to you to your holy temple, those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Jonah's repentance to the fish moment is, or Jonah's response to the fish moment is repentance. It's, God, you're right, and I'm going to change things. So, so hear me, some of us, that's what, that's what we're being called to this morning is repentance. And when we talk through repentance, it's a whole walkthrough moment. And notice, you notice it as it's broken down. Verse, okay, ready? Verse seven, what's it start with? He remembers God. Like he's like, oh yeah, like this is who you are. You're the God merciful and gracious, slow to anger. All the things we're saying, right? And I remember my covenant with you. I remember my first love. I remember I'm a Christian. I'm your son. I'm your daughter. I'm saved. I'm yours. Like he remembers who God is and he remembers who he is in God. Verse 8, God, I confess then of the idols that others chase, but he's talking about himself. I confess that when we chase after other idols, we fall short. And we miss out on your steadfast love. We, and it's not that God's steadfast love stops being there. It's that we stop being able to see it and experience and know that it's as there as it really is. Because we're so clouded. The Bible says that sin draws us and divides us and separates us from God. And so what does he do? He doesn't just acknowledge, okay, he then stops and says, no, I confess that to you. And then what's the last part? Verse 9. I will give voice to thanksgiving. I will sacrifice to you, which I have vowed. I will pay notes. I will do what I have said and what you have called me to. I am your son. I am your daughter. I will do what you've called me to. Repentance is this, and we do this illustration a lot, right? It's you're walking this way. This is you in sin, and then you stop, and you acknowledge in the midst of this sin, in the midst of leaving God, not wanting anything to do with God, you stop and you say, but God, I know who you are. Or, or maybe God is revealing himself to you for the first time. God, I see you, and I know who I am. I know you want to be with me. So then that's verse 7. Verse 8 is a turning and a confessing to God. God, this is the sin of my life. Like, these are the things, whether it be rebellion, act of rebellion, omission, commission, whatever. God, I don't want anything to do with you. I confess that. And then the verse 9, I walk this out the other direction. Repentance is not just, God, I'm sorry about that. Repentance is, God, I know who you are. I confess to you, and I walk the other direction. God, I want to live for you. That's repentance. And that's what Jonah does here in his prayer. God, I, I want to serve you. I vow to you that what you call me to, I will do. In verse 10, the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. A call back to chapter 1 when Jonah said that God is the God of both the seas and the dry land. In other words, he's trying to say that that which I have covenanted in the ocean, I will covenant on the land as well. Wherever I'm at, I will live for you. So where do we land? Two places. One, start with Jesus, his work on the cross, that his presence is with us. He proves faithful over and over. And what, like for you students that we're not going to see for a while, 
this summer, please don't forget your Savior. Do not forget who he is. Do not forget he's a God who pursues you, that loves you, that will be with you and walk with you wherever you're at. And then for a lot of us, it's where do we need to repent? And that's not an easy thing to ask of a group of people that you want to like you, okay? Where do we need to repent? Is it commission? Are there, are there things that you're doing that are destroying you and destroying your relationship with God? That are and maybe destroying, it just sounds too, that are inhibiting, that are hindering, that are blocking you from him. And hear me, they're probably hurting others and you don't even realize it. And the sins of omission that, church, we're just not the light we're supposed to be. And I'll own part of that. I'm supposed to be the lead pastor here, right? So I'll own that. I know on Judgment Day, I'll stand before God and he's going to ask and give an account of what we did here. And I hope faithfully I can say, well, uh, uh, you did some great stuff and we didn't get in your way. And the way we do that is by not refusing to be the people he's called the church to be. A people centered on the life life and person of Jesus who is love embodied. What should emanate from the church is love. What should emanate from our walls is grace, mercy, truth, justice, peace, and the kingdom of God that encapsulates all those things. Are we doing that? I know it's my last Sunday with so many of you, so I want us all to just think about this corporately. This last Sunday, we're all together. We come back together August, September. Are we doing that? And if not, let's repent corporately, individually, and be the light to the nations we're called to be. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your grace and your mercy and and your love to us. And that we get to see ourselves in this narrative and this story, God, what you just called out Jonah and and Lord. We'll see what what happens with Jonah. (laughs) And God, I think we'll just more and more probably keep seeing ourselves in the story. But God, we thank you that you keep coming after us, even in the midst of us saying no thanks. And God, thank you that you proved that on the cross. You died for us and you came back to life in the resurrection, a beautiful moment. God, to grant new life so that each morning, each and every person here could wake up with a new opportunity and new mercies to live the new life in your new creation, in your new kingdom, God, that you've called us to. So God, would you renew us today? Would repentance not be something of fear, but rather something of joy? Because Lord, we know when we repent, all we do is we run into your arms. And with you, it's just the best possible place we can be. So would you bless us and speak to us in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.